Welcome to North v South, the podcast that is and isn't about design. This is episode 6,243. It just feels like that, John. Uh, 67. Good evening. Good evening, Robert. How are you? All right, how are you? I'm very well. Opening a beer. I'm going to open a beer that is my namesake at this moment, and it's Old Timer. <laughs> You're feeling your age today, John. Oh, uh, yeah. It's the only thing I feel these days. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a Wadworth. Yeah. My wife bought it for me, obviously. She's always mocking me. Um, 5.8% though. Oh, careful. Yeah, and I've had a couple of beers already. You've not got any plans for tomorrow, have you? Just work. Okay. That's not nothing important. <laughs> uh, I've got a John Hampden's Golden Harvest Ale from the Chilton Brewery oh. at uh, 4.8. Beautiful colour. Mm, that's really cheers. malty. Yeah, that's cheers. Awesome. Uh, I haven't spoken to you a week. We haven't, have we? Been a busy boy. Um, Yeah, kind of here and there. <clears throat> um, Headed over to... Uh, uh, White City. I uh, did this work for the BBC, and they've got a very convoluted way of paying freelancers. So I had to take my passport in for them to scan. So the BBC R and D department, which is my client, they're um, they're kind of opposite the old TV centre, but behind White City Tube in these kind of old nineteen sixties, slightly dilapidated office blocks. It's uh, certainly not the glam side of uh, broadcasting. It's R&B, quite interesting. like their rhythm and blues department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> or even research and development. Um, but it's quite, I was, we were talking about the offices and stuff, and up until about five years ago, they were based at a place called Kingswood, um, can't remember now, Kings, Kingswood House or something like that. It was a big old um, manor house, and they were based there from the war the BBC technical department and all their kind of like the, the kind of uh, squirrel gang, you know, kind of all fiddling with their nuts and bolts and producing broadcast equipment. Um, we're based in a big old country house. Mm. Until very recently. Quite interesting. Um, yeah. But apart from that, it's been a kind of a, a bitty week really. I've been working on some new posters and postcards uh, for you to sell on your beautiful site, uh, which is good. So I've been filling up my sketchbook sketchbook with uh, spaceships. And what else have I been up to? Not a lot. Watched the latest episode of Star Trek, which I thought was fab. A weird mid-season finale. Have you watched it yet? No, I haven't seen it for a mm. few weeks. Good. Last couple of episodes, I think, have been really good. Mm. Um... I updated, um, I think we both updated our uh, computers to High Sierra, didn't we? Yeah. Mine went perfectly smoothly. How was yours? No, it was all right. Uh, just couldn't use messaging. Oh, uh, is that the only thing that it screwed up? Yeah. I wonder why. Uh, it was fine. I restarted in the end and it fixed it. Sorry. That's live yawning, isn't it? <laughs> That's fine. Well, actually, mine is fixed. You know, I had a problem a few weeks ago with my machine in a, having a kernel panic. Um, well, I've been running it in safe mode ever since. <laughs> and uh, I haven't dared restart it. And I updated to High Sierra and only halfway through did I think, oh, no, it's going to restart and it's going to all go to pop. But it seems perfectly fine. Wow. So it seems like it was a software glitch rather than anything else. I, I didn't want to upgrade, but um I just absentmindedly clicked <laughs> while updating and um, yeah. and started doing it. I wasn't even thinking about what I was doing, so I then had to uh, – it was, took about two hours, wasn't it? Yeah, mine took, I don't know, an hour and a bit. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, what have I been uh, – yeah, first thing I've written, a new keyboard. Have I already spoken about this on the podcast or have I just moaned about no, it to you in person? No, I think you just, you just complained to me about it. Matt, uh, Apple Keyboard. Hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, magic. It's not really magic. <laughs> um, did you try anywhere else? Because we had to buy a bunch at the office in Shoreditch. 
and I managed to find some old stock of the ones with the numbered keypads, the wired ones on um, Jigsaw. Ah, right, they were, yeah. They were about 49 quid. Yeah, no, I saw it was about 60 quid. Um, I just didn't want the wired one again. I, yeah. um, it's nicer without it, I have to say. Uh, surprisingly, I really like the new keyboard uh, that everyone's been dissing. So it's, it's slightly flatter, isn't it? Yeah, and also um, the keys are, uh, there's less of a click to them. Mm. But actually, for my typing, it's really good. Is it more like a laptop keyboard? <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I like but it. The the, uh, the wireless ones don't have, uh, obviously, USB ports in them, do they? No. Um, there's Which a, is a pain there's a, Yeah, there's a little charger thing. I haven't tried yeah. it yet. Uh, yeah, it's very much shallower. And mm. um, uh, the thing that's interesting about it is that um trying to remember what is interesting no, there's nothing interesting about a keyboard is there <laughs> well the crazy thing about them is with that and the new magic mouse is that you can't use either of them when they're being charged uh you can Plugs use the keyboard because i've had it oh, plugged in yeah uh, okay yeah uh, the the plug is in the top so it's not underneath but the mouse is just stupid yeah that is really stupid uh, well, I had a lot of orders um, from our. We ran a flash sale on the uh, on the website with Rob's drawings and um, Jeremy Marshall. Yeah, so I, I thought it would just take me Monday to print all of that. Uh, I finished on Wednesday. <laughs> Blimey! Yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad you're keeping busy, John. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a lot of printing. Um, I had a bit of a nightmare with a commission that I'd sent out a few weeks ago to America. Um, sent it in a cardboard tube and it got absolutely destroyed in the post. It looked like someone had um, bent it over their knee Mm. and then twisted it in half. Mm. The top was completely torn off it. Um, So yeah, so now I've got to wait for the the Royal Mail to try and figure out what went wrong. So they say, please allow up to 90 days. (laughs) Brilliant. Ugh, so I've got to redo that commission. That's not good. <clears throat> no, it's far from ideal. I uh, do you get um, family commissions where you're no. kind of volunteered to do stuff? <clears throat> I don't. I have had a few in the past, um, kind of friends of family, kind of wedding um, invites and um, the odd birthday present, but not many at all. At all. No, well, I've got one. Um, that I'm having to do now. And, uh, it's kind of a, um, they'd seen the, well, not that them, their aunt had seen a picture of the Higgles and the Piggles that I'd done mm. uh, the finale one for Inktober, which is just basically like a Sergeant Pepper's crowd scene. Um, and, uh, they've suggested that I'm not even sure if the, um, the person whose birthday has ever seen them, but they would like a version of them like Where's Wally, but with their favourite characters from books and film. Cool. So I've now got a so I got a list from the parents of things that she likes. She's thirteen. <laughs> um, I understood about twenty five percent of them, so I had to look them all up. <laughs> so I'm then drawing uh, what so called celebrities. Can you as, give us a few examples? As Higgles and Piggles. Without any kind of idea as to who they are. So the likelihood that they're going to look anything like uh, who they are um, is very, very low. (laughs) I, you know, I am not a Radio 1 listener or, uh, you know, a mainstream culture follower. Uh, And they're all kind of books and series that I have no idea what they are. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, so, I look forward to seeing that, John. <laughs> See how many I can recognise. Yeah, well, I'll read you some of the. Uh, do you want to hear some of the. Yeah. Um, so things. Mallory Blackman. Nope. Sophie McKenzie. I think they're authors. So, no. Sophie McKenzie. Who's that? No idea. Blake Lively. She's an actress, I think, isn't she? No idea. Well, I, I do now, but. Jane the Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Riverdale. Now, I think Riverdale yeah. is some kind of se- series like Dawson's Creek. Oh yes, it's um, it's a Betty and Veronica Archie comic. Is it TV series? Yeah. 
American uh, high school type thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Drake. Yes, I'm aware of the man Drake. No, I had no idea. Um, but then I've got ones I do know. Uh, Beyonce, Emma Watson, Jennifer Aniston, Cheryl Cole. I don't know how mm. you... I don't. You know, she's so nondescript, isn't she? <coughs> she's got a huge tattoo on her bum. John. I should have just done her ass. Yeah, he should. Mm. Covered Gordon, in roses, apparently. Gordon Ramsay's fine. You just draw some wiggles on his forehead and make yeah. him look angry. But drawing them as weird little mouse creatures is quite hard. Yeah, I imagine it is. Yeah. Have you finished it? Uh, no. Okay. Well, good luck. Oh, well, I've got to finish it tonight because I'm going away for the weekend <clears> and uh, oh. I've got to have it finished. So, yeah, good. Well, you it's off? really good. I'll be up late. Oh, just to the uh, in-laws because we have no bathrooms. So um, uh, okay. we all need a wash. Down on the coast. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to jump in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Sluice yourself down in the surf. Yeah. Marvellous. Um, should, we, uh, should we talk about some news? Yes, let's. What have you got? Good question. <laughs> uh, first things first, um, minor sort of cultural things that I've picked up on because I haven't been following any news. One is if you do get a chance, um, the fabulous actor Toby Jones, who's in The Detectorist and um, lots of films. I love uh, Toby Jones. He's an amazingly uh, bright and erudite uh, interviewee um, and he's on or if you go to the Guardian site um, we'll put them in the show notes that will never appear but if you yep. go to On My Radar uh, which is a you know a regular uh, column it's his cultural highlights um, and if you you know his he talks about the Cinema Museum um, Dragon's Den Jazz Improvisation and uh, Stockwell London Bus Garage Brilliant. Yeah. That so is a little bit like tactics. us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and just worth following the, uh, the, uh, the worms that he yeah. sends you I, off onto. I occasionally read that on my radar thing, but I should probably um, bookmark it. So I read it every, uh, is, it on, is it a weekly thing? Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't read it all the time. It's just, I just love him. So yeah, he is great. Whenever um, he's in the media, I read whatever <clears> he's got to say. Why not? Uh, I can't remember whether we talked about this on the show last week or whether it was just something that we talked about when we met up for lunch. But Amazon are doing a Lord of the Rings TV show. They've bought the rights apparently for $250 million. Um, And it's now, uh, when they announced that, they didn't give any details at all. Now they've announced that it's going to be entirely new, so it's not going to be a remake of the, the films or the book. Uh, but it's going to be a prequel. So it's uh, going to predate The Fellowship of the Ring. And I assume it's going to predate The Hobbit. Um, it's going to be before all that. So I was wondering if it's going to... Have you read The Silmarillion? Uh, as a kid, yeah. Yeah, I really loved that. So there's a lot of kind of, uh, sort of world uh, creation myth stuff in there. But it takes that book takes you right up to kind of the, the the events that lead up to the Lord of the Rings. Um, so I guess they've got lots of scope. Um, I was just thinking, I, I hope they don't just go down a kind of young Gandalf route. <laughs> you know, that would be brilliant. Teenage, teenage Gandalf. No, I say bring wings. that on. Yeah, no, really? that would be good. Yeah, I know. No. Um, uh, it could be a recipe for disaster. I, I think the whole thing is a recipe for disaster, to be honest. Well, they're, they're just trying to jump on the um, the Game of Thrones. Is that? Um, I, 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 th- I would like to see them remake it, you know, with a with a new slant on it, or you know, a, a British slant, because mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings film don't, doesn't feel very English to me. Yeah, um, it's very international. <clears throat> it, oh, that sounds really weird, doesn't it? But it, it is like a you know, it so captures the world of Middle Earth that it loses that connection with Tolkien's yes. own sort of, you know, homespun uh, sense of Englishness. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, the yeah, crumpets, I think when you the read crumpets the book, on the fire, even, even The Hobbit just fails exactly. massively to do that. Yeah, but the landscapes as well, even though they're kind of fantastical landscapes, they all kind of, when you read the book, it's it's the Lake District and it's Devon and it's, you know, it's, it's very English, yeah. really. Um, yeah, so it definitely did lose some of that 
in uh, Peter Jackson's telling of it. <coughs> well, I look so, forward to seeing what it is, but um, yeah. I must reread the Silmarillion. I still, I still good. got my uh, copy from the library, Windsor Library, that I took out in nineteen eighty. Uh, I know. I should, I should get that out actually and have a look and see what date it is. <laughs> but I reckon it's nineteen eighty two or something like that. You might have to try and rustle up some diplomatic immunity so you don't well, have to go they've bankrupt. Not, they've knocked the library down. So. Oh, I think you're safe then. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Uh, what's your next bit of news? Uh, my wife sent me this, uh, which is a. Um, Hang on, she she buys the pie, she buys the beer. She's she's now writing the news. She's everything uh, that, take the night that I'm not. As in, <laughs> she's efficient, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I'd be nothing without her. Um, that's that was wet, wasn't it? Um, so uh, there's a website called Pando. I've never heard of it before, but it's a it's an article about it's it's one of those clickbait article titles mm. where it says in the 1930s a New Yorker ed- editor wrote this perfect style guide for today's bloggers. Well, it's not really for today's bloggers, but it's um uh it's um sort of a guide by um Harold Ross and James Thurber who were mm-hmm. writers for the New Yorker. And it's kind of guidelines on as to how to edit copy for um, what they call, which I, I they call it. What do they call it? Um, Is it bringing order out of this underbush? <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just checking. So yeah, they talk about casual writing, which I had to look up because casual in England means um, you know you wear uh, cut back shoes and white socks and stay pressed trousers. <laughs> <laughs> with a cable knit jumper um yeah. but uh casual seems to be uh sort of off the cuff writing like a blog um okay which i'm i'm assuming is when people <clears throat> submitted uh their own creative work to the new yorker back in the yeah. day um, and this is a guide to the editors of how to deal with you know repetitive words etc etc so if you are doing any kind of writing or even any kind of creative thinking then it's a really good article to read um uh i think there's a book um that is a uh the years with ross by james thurber which was um published in the 50s which is a memo about his time uh working with the editor of the new yorker uh, which i haven't read or heard of um so i'm coming at it a complete blank but i really want to read it now um, mm. so, yeah. I love right. the style guide as well. I yeah, think, yeah. Um, even if they're sort of archaic or they're coming from a, a very different sort of point of view, um, I think they're really interesting to read. You can always learn uh, something from them. Absolutely. Uh, my next bit of news: Have you seen the John Lewis Christmas advert? No. Okay. It's uh, it's directed by Michael Gondry. And it features a little boy who can't sleep, and he's got a giant blue monster under his bed. And it's sweet enough. Uh, the monster keeps him awake at night, and he, he falls asleep in school. And eventually the monster buys him a, an astronomy uh, nightlight. <clears throat> Kid falls asleep, looks under his bed. Monster's gone. <clears throat> um, but Chris Riddell, or Riddle, the ex-poet laureate, um, author and illustrator posted a video to Periscope today saying um, thanks John Lewis for publicising my book and it showed, the video shows him leafing through his book Mr Underbed whilst watching the new John Lewis advert and there's going to be a really embarrassed creative somewhere because certainly the kind of look and feel of the monster and the opening of the ad is taken straight from his book. Um, what the, the, the what, you, when, what even the drawing of the monster? Well, no, the, it's uh, live action, so it's a uh, it's kind of where the wild things are, giant puppet Sesame Street style thing. Yeah, I can the, see the, the preview advert. here, but mm. does that resemble what Chris Riddell yes. has drawn? It looks very, right. very much like it. You know, the ad agencies have. Always doing this, aren't they? They are, um, and they won't care. They, they you know, well, it's quite embarrassing it. to do it to a, a well-known author and illustrator and an ex-children's laureate. Yeah, no, I know, think it's, it's, it's one terrible, thing when you see, but they won't care. Is this Adam and Eve? 
Is that, are they still their creative agency? I don't know. Actually. I don't know, but they're they're the ones who made those original ones. Mm. You know, everything everything they've done is is totally derivative and uh, and lacking any creative spark. I think. Yes. You know, it's just total rip off of uh, of things that have happened. Uh, you know, but they hit a zeitgeist and they've done really well from it. Mm. But if they're now ripping off people without it, you know, even acknowledging their work, then I think that's really awful. Yeah. Absolutely. What are well, you doing I, next? I hope our, our, you know, that that spreads the news more than it would posting it on Periscope. <laughs> well, he, t- he tweets it as well. What is Periscope? Periscope is was the first live. Yeah, is it still going? Application it is. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, I sounded really. I, I think it's there, all by but, You know, just the ad ad agencies pee me off. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? Uh, what's next? Uh, you tell me. Oh, I was listening in the car to a really good show yesterday um, on Radio 4, and you can get it on iPlayer Radio. It's called The Confidence Trick, and it's by a um, it's presented by an author called Laura Barton. I haven't read any of her stuff, but she's a she's a journalist. She does music stuff, um, and um, it's about confidence in uh, creative work. And I thought it was really, really relevant for um, uh, for everyone, anyone who might listen to this show and for you and me, Rob, because uh, I listened to the very end of the very last episode. I think there's three or four episodes where she sort of meets people with crippling embarrassment or crippling uh, lack of self-confidence. And then she meets really, really confident people. And it's kind of her journey because she's very shy through sort of dealing with that uh well it, that sounds good that program i'll have to, I'll have, to have a listen so it's called the confidence trick i listen to a lot of iplayer documentaries when i'm at work do you and, uh, i do can you can I'm... you concentrate when you're doing it because you you've done it a few years now yeah it's uh like i said before it's it can be get quite repetitive so it's um <clears throat> i can manage to listen to most things <laughs> uh, a last bit of news Michael Wolf of Wolf Ollins uh, talking of ad agencies um, has jumped on the old Johnson Banks bandwagon and slagged off some logos oh good I like that um, he has done it in a little bit more of a considered way he wrote an article on Design Week um, and he starts by talking about the kind of era that we're in um, I've been you know, very good for design in general and logo design. You know, some he praises the new Tate logo, and um, it, which is in fact a, a redesign of the a, a Wolf Ollins original. Uh, he loves the new co-op stuff and Muji, Pret, Waitrose, <clears throat> loving all that. And then goes on to kind of criticise the British Steel, NatWest, Addison Lee, all stuff that we've talked about. So he obviously listens to the show. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting, I think, to to listen to what someone in his position has got to say. He does go on to talk about the swastika. It was a, a good logo and could have been a great symbol for a, a life-saving organisation, oh, just like God. the Red Cross. But I don't really think you can go there with a swastika because it's got, you know, such weight and such dark connotations that I, I don't think it's possible to see it as anything other than what it is. Um, and also... I don't necessarily think as a symbol without all that history, it's a particularly strong image. So I think it's a, a bit, um, uh, a bit misguided really to talk about no, that. But I, I really like that about him because he, uh, I don't like it about him, but I enjoy that about him because he's so cantankerous and so, uh, desperate to cause offense. Um, but it seems like he's totally out of, uh, out of the loop here. If he's picking yeah. like logos that we that this show's picked <laughs> over a year ago, yeah. uh, no. But you know, to 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 cite the swastika. I mean, what a stupid and crass comment. You know, even if you are, you know, from the from your armchair by the fire, and no, you know, you don't give a, a toss about it. It's just yeah. such a stupid thing to to suggest, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's it, but it is that one panic in your studio when you, when, when you get a designer, you know, working on some creative and they, they've, 
they've turned a, an F or whatever to the 45 degree or an yeah. E. <laughs> like, oh, uh, hang on. No. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, but there's some good stuff in that article. Like I said, it's a bit more considered than the usual Michael Johnson stuff uh, where he just tweets his uh, horror at uh, the latest logo design. Yeah, he but he did he did respond to that, didn't he? He um we he haven't did. we he, haven't touched he kinda on that. Took it he took a little bit, didn't he? What was that the National Science Museum, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh that was really really sour grapes. Uh, mm. But I enjoy I I really do en- I have to admit I really do enjoy all that stuff, you know, from, from these people because well, you never it get from, it's lovely get, to watch from from our point of view. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it keeps it interesting, doesn't it? It does. Well, it's, you know, it's publicity for the, the poor uh, forgotten design industry, isn't it? Uh, one more news story, because this is so funny. Okay. Uh, Cards Against Humanity. Uh, we've recommended their podcast before, which is uh, mm-hmm. do it by Friday or whatever. By Friday, yeah. Uh, uh, they have bought a load of land. Have you seen this news story? No, I haven't. So they've bought a load of land in front of where... Trump is planning to uh, build his border wall. <laughs> and they're going. To, they're asking people to fund it, and they're just going to, uh, uh, st- you know, sit on it. Um, there's a really good film uh, about why you should give them money, and uh, their 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 announcement on Twitter was: the government is being run by a toilet. We have no choice. We are going to save America and a- attempt to keep our brand relevant in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> But you can also, you can um, join them for, and for $15, they're going to send you six America saving surprises. So yeah, go off to them. Cards Against Humanity, uh, always worth uh, the time spending on their stuff. Their their, their last one was digging a hole, wasn't it? You could watch them digging a hole. Yes. Right. Great stuff. So what's our topic this week, John? Well, it's questions, questions. Uh, thanks to everyone for all the questions they sent in, even if we had to coerce you and twist your arms. We did. We did have to do a bit of, um, put a bit of effort in to uh, conjure up some questions, didn't we? But we got plenty. We did. So, so uh, should we take yeah. it in turns to read them? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to start on um, one that uh, Tim Fowler, is he still with Rough Trade? Well, am I not allowed to say that? Uh, I think he's still consultant for Rough Trade. He's uh, he's working uh, full time with his Umbrella Collective. Ah, I uh, hope you're well, Tim. Um, his question is: If you could live and work doing what you do now in any country, where would that be and why? Mm. Over over to you, Rob. Well, I'll start because actually I have to apologise to Tim because he sent me emailed me earlier on in the week and sent me this link to uh, a video of a guy who'd kind of given up everything and was working in the woods. <clears throat> it was one of those beautiful videos of a man making, I don't know, fences and I don't know, things with his hands. Oh, he wasn't doing uh, graphic design for squirrels. No, 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 no. But <laughs> if I could live and work in the country rather than in any country, I think I'd be really tempted. The thought of getting away from everything. I think my my kind of obvious answer to to this is I'd go live and work in Japan because it's such a an interesting culture and it's so different to always that I think it'd be fascinating and exciting and kind of energizing. But I also think that might be really, really um, distracting. And I think the opportunity to work out in the countryside in a, a little cottage in the woods or, you know, some nice little cabin by a lake where I could just kind of see and be with nature and then concentrate on my own work, kind of unencumbered by any other kind of modern distractions. I think that would be my my dream. Would you do anything, though? Yes. Would you be driven to do stuff, yeah? I would, yeah. I don't think it would matter where I was. I think I'd be driven to create stuff. Right. Are um, you? I think it would be Berlin. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, country, so Germany, I think. Uh, but Berlin uh, is the only city I've been to in in Germany. Is that really bad, isn't it? No. Uh, but I loved it. It is a designer's paradise. Um, I've written it's a design beer sausage booby paradise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love Ger- Germany, so I'm, I'm kind of half super, with you on this. It's a super cool city. Um, 
it's really design led in terms of their real pockets still of, you know, design areas or areas that are, uh, you know, into street art or, um, you know, making things It still, mm. it still enables people to, to live in those, in those sectors. I, I'm sure it's, it, that will, that will go away, but it's still, still there. Um, love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Well, Germany, I could see myself in a, a cabin in Germany in the woods. Yeah. So I, I've got, uh, easy access to the, the beer and sausages. Yeah. They're good sausages over there. Oh, yes. <clears throat> uh, so our next question is uh, Jeremy Marshall, friend of the show, mm. <laughs> friend of Ellie Press. Uh, the design industry should be re- regulated. Discuss. That's like an A-level question, isn't it? It is a bit, isn't it? How yeah. many words do we have to should write? We, should we go through the history of the design industry? <laughs> In well, 1840- I, just no. I just hope he doesn't want any more than 200 words. <laughs> I could only ever write about a side of it for... Or anything. Um, yes. <laughs> you think it should? I kind of think it should. Right. I don't see why it shouldn't. I can't, as, as complicated and as annoying as it would be to have it regulated to some extent, I can't really think of a good reason for it not to be. Oh Architecture is regulated. Is it? Interior design has its own body. Well, yeah, of course it does. Doesn't it? No. Anyone can do an architecture drawing, give it to a builder, can't they? Yeah, but you can't call yourself an architect unless you're ah, right. qualified. But that's different to being regulated. A regulation would be like, okay, this design, your logo that you've done now has to go through a panel, a committee, a government committee to uh, make sure that it you know, corresponds to local guidelines, etc. Et no, I don't think that's what he means. No? I think he means you need to be like a member of a body. Or at least if you are a member of a body, it, it bestows on you greater confidence in the public. So, you know, like Atoll or Abter or like a kite mark. Right. Designers. I think I, I imagine that's what he was getting at. Right. Okay. So. Uh, you'd have to be a qualified. So you'd be out instantly. Yeah, no, I would. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be gone. Would you? Would you? Yeah, I'd be gone. <laughs> I was getting all cocky then, and then realised I'd been kicked uh, out of two art colleges. And thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Uh, can I change my answer? They're shutting us down. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've come to unplug my microphone. <laughs> and that is a euphemism. Maybe it shouldn't be regulated then. <clears throat> um, no, I don't, think, I don't think that it should be regulated. You can't regulate a creative industry. Um, I just think that's... I just it, one, it's impossible, um, and two, it's stupid. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like the uh, you see those some vans of builders with the master master mm. builders, um, uh, yeah. whatever it is, professor of bricks. Yeah, <laughs> it's like well, you know, it's I don't know. It, no, I don't think so. Unless Do you think uh, we you think we get by okay as it is. In the same way that, you know, a plumber does buying recommendations. and Well, it's easy to mend a designer's errors, isn't it? You just fire them and get another one. Um, yeah, it plumber, could be expensive, though. Plumber could be expensive. Yeah. Mind you, plumbers, gas fitters, they're all regulated. <clears throat> are they? Well, yeah, plumbers are. Well, no, only gas fitting. A, uh, I guess so. Yeah, you need a Colgy what's it, don't you? It's not Corgi anymore, is it? Gas safe. Oh, damn. I hate change. (laughs) Uh, No, I I don't think it should be. Um, And uh, my argument against it is the fact that it is, you know, where does the design industry start and end? It's easy to say what architecture is. Yeah, it's quite a, a vague and tenuous business, isn't it? Yeah. And when you've got something like the internet uh, and HTML and coding at home and, you know, all these kind of wonderful things that has, that Britain has led brilliantly in the past uh, would be cut off. You wouldn't be able to have, Mm. uh, you know, 16 year old kids in their bedrooms making amazing games and, you know, uh, kids going not having to go to art college and but who are amazing artists and creating 
yeah amazing work that you just wouldn't have it so okay you've, you've won me over yeah so Jeremy, you'll have to get back to us and let us know if you think the design industry should be regulated. I don't think he did. I think he because uh, I said, oh, uh, you know, yeah, he said no because he wouldn't be allowed to either. No. So, uh, how many of us do have qualifications? <coughs> Show hands, please. <laughs> right. So next question is directed at you, Mister This Northern Boy. Um, is it? It says uh, something <coughs> like how how does stream of consciousness work when you're doodling your little ships or anything for that matter. Just how much is pure muscle memory just pouring out into fantastic shapes? Well, let, we'll get over that kind of, you know, that, that glib praise there. Uh, this is from <laughs> Nifer, like uh, and it's Matt, but I don't know his surname. Uh, it's all that praise. It's, yep. it's, that's what it is. It's a static shock. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it can be complete stream of consciousness because sometimes I'll start drawing and start scribbling in sketchbook without any thoughts at all about what I'm drawing. And it might take, it might be the first line I put on the paper and I think, okay, this is going to be a spaceship or this is going to be a robot. Or it might take um, a couple of minutes of kind of scribbling and doodling shapes for something to form out of it. I think in particular with spaceships now, particularly as I'm kind of drawing them with a bit more of a purpose because I've been, for the last couple of weeks, I've been drawing lots and lots of spaceships with a view to making some posters and postcards out of them um, and kind of with the idea of a book in the back of my head. <clears throat> um, so that's, I'm very much setting down with the, the um, aim of drawing a spaceship. But even then, I don't necessarily always think what kind of a spaceship. So I, Again, it's that kind of initial first two or three lines or first minute of scribbling that that dictates where that picture will go. Um, I mean, I guess I have drawn enough spaceships now that there is a bit of muscle memory in there and there's kind of some shapes and motifs that recur in lots of my stuff so that I can... I can kind of quite easily piece together a spaceship without having to think about it too much. Yeah, there you go. Brilliant. But you, yeah, is there any is there any stream of consciousness stuff in in your work when you're kind of thinking about ideas? Or I go, I go for walks um, to think things through, but I won't necessarily think about the thing that I'm meant to be thinking about. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it will just, just be like clears your head. Yeah. Um, I I th- I thinking about this as you were talking now i think i i think in in words so um mine will be verbal in terms of uh, uh a concept of a piece of work so if i see something in my head it won't be like a three-dimensional model of a spaceship for example mm. it would be who you know it would be like a uh a running commentary like who lives on this where do they sit where you know what how many people yeah. does it need to carry what you know what does it fly through that kind of thing mm. and 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 the three-dimensional form this is really talking out of a limb here and you can tell i've had a couple of beers but um and th- and that would form the three-dimensional shape that i would then freeze frame in my head and then that would be the thing that i would put down onto paper does that make that sense? sounds sounds amazing <laughs> no but that's why i'm more <laughs> i'm more I'm more of a, a written word kind of person. So mm. that's why I enjoy the branding mm. side of things. Uh, is, is your inner monologue more or less eloquent than you? Um, way more eloquent. Yeah. I think I've got an incredibly eloquent um, inner monologue, <laughs> if I could say it. But then when I come to write things down, uh, I kind of lose that. You've got a mole on a log. Yes. Um, I think if you... I, I think also if you are um, my my brain races in front of my my mouth, which is why mm. I find the podcasting quite hard. In the fact that I'm often on the next sentence before I've uh, or the next subject before I finish what moment, I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Moment. Yeah, that's it. I need to be mindful. Uh, om. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next question is from Max Ray uh, Sush Kelly on Twitter. Brilliant question. How do you you balance the pay the bills work with the work you love and also the rest of the stuff that goes with life, kids, chores, pets, etc.? Do you want to start? Yeah, Uh, I don't. I don't 
<laughs> I don't balance the pay the bills and the work I love. Um, I just, I, I've picked, I think you have to have goals. I've written in my notes, you know, you need to have a goal. And if that's paying the mortgage, then you have to uh, commit, commit to work that might not necessarily make you um, creatively happy or mm. artistically happy. Um, if you find that, then, you know, the, the work that you're creating is also making you money, then that's fantastic. Um, but uh, I think that you just need to be fixed on a, on a target. So, you know, if you need to make three thousand pounds a month then you need to <laughs> you'll need to get the work in and you need mm. to you know you need to be quite aggressive with the with the work that you bring in but if you only need to make you know a, a lot less then I'm, I'm only talking from a business point of view here then um uh only because uh sush had asked whether how do we balance that with life and kids and stuff mm. and and i get, guess that's family life so uh, you have other commitments so naturally your work moves towards a financial reward um unless you're a you know trustafarian or or yeah. you're living in the woods with rob um you need to you know you need to bring the money in so yeah i say just be honest with what your target is and be strong and stick to that number. Um, and you have to, uh, you, you know, you have to compromise. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I won't repeat what I've written in there, but I do sound like a, you know, <laughs> a bit of no, a no. knob saying that. No. But, um, uh, I, I think I'm if you, you know, is... sorry, go on. No, I just think if you've got that pressure of a mortgage or whatever, those kind of, you know, real life commitments are, then you can't sit there and, you know, make no money and do mm. the stuff you love. It just, just won't last very long. Yeah. Um, well, you'll end up alone <laughs> unless you've yeah. got a very supportive other, you know, partner or whatever. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, I do have a very supportive other half, um, which kind of allows me to be a bit, uh, to kind of pay that balance a bit more attention than if I simply just had to work nine to five to, to pay the bills um, because I think I'd go mad. <clears throat> I think I've been freelancing so long now and moving into illustration for long enough that I find the the day-to-day -day work, the stuff that is still paying the bills, I'm finding it increasingly difficult to do that you know, on a regular basis, <clears throat> I'm lucky that I've got a, my main freelance client tend not to need me for five days at a time each week. And it might just be two days here and three days there. And, um, and that suits me perfectly. And that, that gives me enough time to, to do the stuff that I love and, <clears throat> you know, time off to spend with, with Steph or to help with weddings. So, you know, the balance isn't quite right because I'm not earning enough. I mean, I'm earning en enough, but not, you know, I'm not earning what I want to do. Um, but there is a, a balance there, but it's more about keeping me sane, I think, than, um, you know, uh, anything having to give in terms of having to pay the mortgage. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. And, um, and, and I have a, you know, a great... Um, kind of working relationship with my wife and that we will talk about what we need to be doing. You know, we know what we need to be making a month. And if one person's earning a little bit more at that time, then the other person can go and either have time off or they can mm. pursue whatever they want. And we're really relaxed about that. So when uh, my little one was really, really small, my wife worked a lot less and now she's ramped it right up. And that gave me over the summer, the opportunity to, put some time into Ellie press and um, you know, I, I think as long as you've got a good partnership in a family setting, then, you know, you can, you can afford to do that. If you're on your own and you're doing that, then it is a lot harder unless you, you know, and, uh, you know, it is a lot harder <laughs> to do. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, that was one of my big frustrations through <clears throat> my thirties was just balancing that kind of, uh, 
a need for creative output and also um, a need to learn my craft and also, <laughs> you know, a need to actually uh, have a job at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's easier now for, for kids uh, on having the internet to sell their work. If they were, you know, Absolutely. if you're an illust- illustrator, but then I, I guess there's, there's more competition, more competition out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a brilliant question. I could do a whole uh, episode on that. So, sh- mm. so thank you for that. Um, yeah. And uh, I'd be interested to hear how you do it. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. I haven't, I haven't solved it yet, but, um, but you know, pretty happy where I am. What about yeah. you, Rob? Are you happy where you are? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty content. Good. Next question. Now, this one's like something off of uh, Saturday Swap Shop. <laughs> Skinny Drawn Boy. Uh, I don't know your name, Skinny Drawn Boy. Do you know Skinny Drawn Boy's name? Uh, I can't remember. He's got a cool little it's icon. really awful, isn't it? But I can't remember. Um, a little, uh, little bespectacled guy giving the thumbs up on Twitter. Uh, his question yeah. is all time favorite book, film and album. And why? Uh, hasn't asked about my favorite color, which I'm a bit insulted by. <laughs> <coughs> or whether um, I like Matt Bianco. Uh, oh, I love a bit of Matt Bianco. Go on then. <laughs> uh, well, mine would be, uh, yeah. I, uh, right. Let's go. Favorite book, Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think, just because it was the first big book I read as a kid, yeah. and I still reread it. Uh, Jaws is my favourite film. It's, um, it's perfect, Jaws. It's a perfect film. It's a perfect film. Yeah, and Revolver. Uh, I think it was the first Beatles album that I really got obsessed by, and I was about eight. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would go with The Shipping News by E. Annie Proulx, which we've mentioned on the show before, which is just my favourite book. It's beautiful and evocative and magical. Uh, my favourite film would be Stand By Me. Not, It's not the best film, um, but it just always gets me. Uh, and I think it's brilliant. And uh, Drift's narration is cracking. Uh, and my favourite album would be Rubber Soul by the Beatles. Oh. Um, for similar reasons. It was the first. My mum uh, used to play it when I was really little. Uh, and one of her favourite songs is Norwegian Wood. And that's become one of my favourite songs. Um, so, yeah, love Rubber Soul. But, yeah, uh, as you said, that could be an episode on its own, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, could do, I, could do, I could do each one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got Steph on line one, Rob. <clears throat> Steph Turpin on line one. Yeah, she's got three questions. Okay, well you can you can read these out. Uh, wh- what three things would you take to a desert island? Uh, I would take uh, a sketchbook, a pen, and am I allowed to take a drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because okay. you already got salt water. Okay, I'd uh, I'd take a uh, I'd take a, a limitless supply supply of uh, Negroni. Really? Yeah, uh, you're not bitter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'd be, I was boring. I went pay, pencil, paper, computer. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be thirsty, aren't I? You are. You're going to envy my Negronis. <laughs> This one seems to be aimed at you, Rob. It says, Rob, if I paid you in pork pies, would you stop listening to Radio 4 and listen to Radio 1 forever? Well, this is difficult. <laughs> one, because I hate Radio 1. Uh, but two, it depends, doesn't it, on the pork pies. I mean, am I only eating pork pies? I mean, I love well, pork you, pies, you but never, I'm not sure I could eat them for three meals a day. You, you do, and you never dip below a six. So they're all good, <laughs> aren't they? Well, yeah, it's... Uh, Bad pot pie is a rare thing indeed. Um, but no, I'm sorry, Steph. They'd be sorry? good pot pies. Steph, Steph claims they'd be good pot pies, but yeah. it's still a no. Uh, I'd say <laughs> never. I'd never listen to Radio 1. No. I don't <laughs> stop Steph from listening to Radio 1. Ah. Well, it keeps you young, Rob. Yeah. Which country <clears throat> would you like most like to visit to ogle all things design? Well, we've had mm. this this question before 
Um, yeah. This one is a country, and I'm going to say on my one, Japan, then Vietnam, then Mexico. Yeah, I would go Japan as well, and then maybe something Scandinavian. Um, I'd quite like to visit Sweden or Denmark to kind of have a look at their design culture. Yeah. But uh, but definitely Japan. Cool. And last question uh, that isn't pie related. And we have <clears throat> pie related questions, which we can whiz through. What are we on? 50? Yeah, no, we're doing all right. On yeah, uh, my wife, on line two, Jessica Ruth. Uh, <laughs> what's the favorite job you've ever worked on? Rob, you can uh, kick off here. I think it's pretty easy for me. It's the book I did a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. So there's a book called uh, Build a Knight's Castle, and it's kind of a kids' activity book, and I illustrated the whole book. Um, someone else did kind of the pop-up, um, pop-out, build-it castle bits. Um, but it was the first bit of commercial illustration I'd done. It, the job came completely out of nowhere. Um, the commissioning editor found me on Instagram, um, sent me a message which I thought was a joke at first, um, but it was it was difficult and uh, there was quite a learning curve um, to be, you know, working as a, a professional illustrator with a client. I'd never done that before, um, but I was really pleased with the stuff I did and the book itself looks great. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the best job I've worked on. How about you. Well, I don't, I don't have many because uh, it's all been commercial, so I'm not really choosing the work that's coming in. Um, I'd have to say I did one uh, a year ago or so um, for a very dusty old charity, um, and uh, I'm really pleased with the with the look and feel of the, the update of the branding, um, which was actually done by um, Ear Trumpet Creative. Oh, yes. uh, he read drew the logo for me, but I, I, I did a nice job on the illustrations and the website. I think it's good. Um, but, uh, I think we did a, we did a newsletter for a local estate, estate agent about 10 years ago. Um, and it was so different. It was based in Kew and we did it in a kind of Victorian style. Um, and it wasn't trying to sell houses. There was, it was only on the back was a long, just like literally, um, a word listing of, of properties. So there was nothing in it about properties whatsoever. And it was yeah. just really refreshing to do that. Um, and it was popular. It was really popular. Um, but obviously commercial pressures got, <laughs> got the better of the <laughs> estate agent in the end, but the first few, uh, uh, issues were, were great. And, um, we had the budget. We were allowed to print with vegetable inks onto recycled paper. Um, and uh, it was really at that just I think it might have been 2007. So it was just at the point where the markets, you know, all that kind of work left, left us completely uh, as a business. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was good fun. Sounds cool. Uh, website of the week. Uh, yes. Why not? Uh, my website of the week. Have I got a website of the week? Uh, yeah, it's not a website. It's an app. Uh, Clip Studio Pro is out for the iPad. So this was formerly Manga Studio uh, drawing app. So it was only ever a desktop um, bit of software before, but now it's been ported to the iPad, iPad Pro with pencil. And it's uh, the uh, choice of most, well, a lot of comic artists and illustrators. Um, so the ad and the reviews for it have been incredible. So people who use the desktop version are saying it sacrifices nothing. It's fantastic. You know, the, it works brilliantly with the, the pencil. Um, so I'm going to give it a go. It's free for six months, and then there's a subscription of six pounds a month. Um, so I'll give it a go. I don't think it'll be something I'll use because it is quite geared towards comics. Sequential art, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like it does boxes. look fab. Am I allowed to say that on this show? Sequential art? Yeah, of course okay. Yeah. The only thing I uh, is for me is the downside is it looks <clears throat> bloody awful. Um because they haven't made any concessions to kind of an uh, an app aesthetic. So it still looks like a it looks like it's running on a an emulator. Yeah, I've tried it before. It, yeah, visually it just it's like it's it's the same people that make poser, isn't it? Yes, because I think you can incorporate Whoa. um poser models. 
Right. So you can you can drag um, like a figure from a library straight onto the page, pose it, rotate it, change the camera angle, uh, change the lighting, and then that can become your reference to to draw over. Mm. So it's incredibly clever stuff. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that does. Ah, well, mine was one today. My website of the week isn't a website of the week. It's, it's actually a video from the BFI, and it's a walk around the street markets of Soho in 1956. Oh, wow. Uh, I really recommend you watch this. It's absolutely fabulous. Cool. I'll have a gander. Uh, I love that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so uh, if you just go to um, just look up uh, BFI on Twitter, uh, the film is embedded there. I couldn't actually work, you know, I haven't had time to work out where it is on their website, but that's oh, yeah. that one. Hashtag Britain on film. Oh, uh, so uh, pies onto pies. What's your pie this week? I have got, uh, it's a Sainsbury's pie. But it's a steak and black stick blue cheese pie. Oh, I like that cheese. Uh, with an all butter pastry. I do as well. Oh, it's, I think it's one of my mum's favorite cheeses. Um, it smells amazing. Um, so it looks a little bit like a scotch pie. Um, but, and where's it from, sorry? Uh, it's from Sainsbury's. Ah. Yeah. Um, it does smell amazing. You can kind of smell the tanginess of the, of the cheese. So just bear with me while I just dive in. Still quite hot. I've got to say, that's, that's a really good pie. Really nice meat. And just that kind of rich uh, tartness that you get with um, the good cheese. That's really good. That's getting an eight. Oh, that's good. Mm, it's a delicious pie. <clears throat> Mine's a pucker pie. Right. Uh, which I've we've reviewed on the show before. Mm. Now with golden pastry. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't look pale and horrible. This is a, I said it was steak and ale, but it's actually steak and kidney. Which I do like, so I'm going in. It's very crunchy. It's puffed up quite a lot. Yeah. There's oh you could you could live in here. There's a there's a hole. <laughs> there's a cavern. Um smells very very kidney like, if you like kidney. I do. I'm not a fan. I'm not. I've just dropped it down my lap. <laughs> <laughs> the continuing saga of John's pie disasters. Oh, I'm a nightmare. Oh, it's really gelatinous inside. It's really odd. You know. Yeah. I think there's it probably in close um, vicinity to a uh, dog food factory. Do you think? Is it, is it mechanically reclaimed meat? <laughs> I think it. I think mechanical is a polite term. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not unpleasant. I'm going to give it. It's going to get a four. Okay. Yeah. It's a nothing pie. Right. You are. Uh, the questions, the questions. Pie-related questions. Uh, Max Ray, Sush Kelly again, says, if there's no base, is it just a casserole with a hat? Damn right it is. Yeah, it is. Yep, unequivocally so. It's got to be sealed in. It does, yep. Next question. Uh, next question is, um, skinny drawn boy again. Which is Sam Hardacre, I've remembered. Ah, that's it. Sorry, yeah. Sam. Sorry. Sorry. Sam, yeah. The question of all nvs questions if you had to choose which could you live without beer or pie <clears throat> it's not that difficult a bit uh i could live without pie ah well i could live without beer really well yeah you could always drink negronis the... or wine yeah, but you or... couldn't you can't have a, you can't have a negroni with a pie maybe you could have a glass of wine with a pie yeah no you could yeah no, because I couldn't live without whiskey, without the occasional whiskey. So, okay. um, yeah, it's got to be, I'd, I'd keep pie. Okay. Uh, and the last question from Modesto Works on Twitter. Where do you suggest I can get an eight plus uh, well, pie? I'm ho hoping that's a pie, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm, well, we've we've said this before. Have you, <laughs> I was going to say, have you given any eight pluses, John? Yeah, uh, I gave a nine to Jake. Jake's pies, um, you can oh, get, right, yeah. get them in Hampshire. They were exceptional. Mm -hmm. um, and I would suggest Melton Mowbray. <laughs> <laughs> for a there proper pie. terrible pies that come out of Melton Mowbray. Yeah, uh, I would say the Windsor Farm Shop is uh, is pretty epic for a pie. 
Uh, or you could befriend Mike Sullivan, uh, and he might be so kind as to make you a pie, um, which I scored a 10, and John uh, cruelly only scored a 9. But uh, yes, that would be my recommendation. The hate mail hasn't stopped. <laughs> well, there we go. That was our question and answer episode. I enjoyed that. That wasn't bad. Yeah. I read quite a few. No. Brilliant. Thanks for all your questions. <laughs> Got some editing uh, to do tonight. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for all your questions. Thanks for listening. John, mm. it was a pleasure as always to chat. I've got to get back to my drawing of um, uh, celebrities. I have no idea mm. what they look like. You do How that. How did I get involved in this? I don't know. I'm, I cannot wait to see the the final version and I can do a little quiz. Uh, let's see if we can work out who's I've who. drawn all the Spice Girls as Higgles. <laughs> I really want to see that immediately. Uh, right. right, I'm going to go, John. I'm going to go finish this excellent time. Sorry, I'm sorry. And um, right. speak to you soon. And uh, have a lovely weekend, everyone. Will do. Cheerio. Take care. Bye. Bye.